Welcome to the Grace World Podcast. I'm Dan Hewitt. And I'm Becky, his wife. This is episode 134. Hello, everybody. And this is a stinking cold day. We are in the chill that most of the country is in right now. Not as cold as the Kansas City Stadium, but we were not. <laughs> right. <laughs> we in Playoff weekend. Seven or eight below this morning when we got up. Yeah, high today of eight. Wee high. High tomorrow cold... zero. Yeah. Whew, we're in a deep freeze. It's a nippy day in the neighborhood. Yes. We had a goose came and landed on our deck to go last hide from night. the winds last yeah. night. <laughs> so, that was a little bit of an adventure. So scared <laughs> Becky with the terrifying geese of doom. Well, she kept goose flapping against the window and I couldn't really tell what it was and it freaked me out. They would have let her inside, but she would have pooped all over her house. Oh, yeah. She pooped <clears throat> all over the deck. That's, yeah. I all wasn't, right, I so. wasn't, I did put a towel out in case she wanted to stay. She didn't, okay. but I did not feed her. I think it was a her. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, well, you know hopefully what they say, we are warm inside. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Okay. So. That has nothing to do with. I guess not. Anything. <laughs> goose and sauce. <laughs> Pot and kettle. All right. Okay. So today, guess what? We're what gonna, does that saying mean? Which one? What's good for the goose is good for the gander. That means if you, the husband or the wife gets something, so does the the other person. Ah, that goes to our discussion thing. last week, happy wife, happy life. Yeah, so there you go. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Yes. Ah, I'll we're take still a gander, on that theme. I'll take a gander at that one. And I thought, when you said sauce, I thought maybe you were talking about, which also would apply if you're putting a special sauce on a cooked goose it would probably be good on the gander too so no wow are we distracted there's something there's also a saying about goose and sauce but i can't remember what it is it was oh, never meaningful to me to it's yet another sayings together. yeah oh dear so i am the man of metaphors and aphorisms yes but after today, your father we're going to go to ephesians chapter two because there are metaphors there too there are we're going to go through it's kind of interesting actually we we got to talk about this a little bit this morning and uh, a lot of the subtleties and so forth but it's uh ephesians is wonderful so that's all i gotta say <laughs> um you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the because we got to have a starting point here. This is where we Other take our geese and ganders. We got to have our head. This is our head start coming Let's from. Let's get into Ephesians. I guess it should look like this. Previously in Ephesians. There you go. <laughs> so it said at the very ending of chapter one, as it talked, it said, God placed all things under his feet. That's Jesus and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is in his body, the full, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So that's pretty awesome. So now he's going to do a comparative because the last chapter was really talking a lot about Jesus and who he was and his gloriousness and etc. <clears throat> then he pauses and we do a swing. He says, as for you, then you, I guess, is the royal you of those that are in Eve Ephesus. Or as my friend who spoke Greek a lot would call it Ephesus, but I don't know. Um, he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our own sinful nature 
and following its desires and thoughts. And this is where actually the NIV does a bad job translating. It says, like the rest, you were by nature objects of wrath. It actually is the word is children of wrath, which has a different implication. But because of his great love for us, God, who is in rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you were have been saved. Hey, we finally got to the verses. Well, that's the pre-good verse. I want to go what through a little bit. <clears throat> well, that was eight or five. Five, okay. I just kind of want to walk through a little bit of that initial stuff because I've a lot of it, if you're not careful, it can sound like you're bad and God hates you and you're terrible. And it is saying there's a problem, but I want to do the subtlety of the of the verbiage there. Because the implication is you were far away and lost and under the control of sin. Because there's a word in there he uses under sarks. You were operating. Well, one, as he says in verse two, he goes, um, you were now operating. Ah, let's just I'm going to read it in the weird Greek order here. So this is actually in the interlinear. It says in which you walked according to the age of this world. So that's. Basically, it says, how did you walk? How did you behave? According to the ruler of the authority of the air and of the spirit now operating in the sons of disobedience. Remind me to make a connection with that, with the creation story. Keep okay. going. So <clears throat> I feel like when you read it that way, among, and so the last next verse is important too. Among whom we all conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh or in the driven in the ways of our flesh. So the idea there is you kind of lost the plot and you were under a different control and that's how you were operating. And if you look carefully at the words, the words of condemnation are predominantly for those of control, not for you. In fact, there's actually not really much condemnation. It's just saying, you were doing some bad stuff. And even the word there, it says you were children by nature of wrath as also the rest, but God being rich in the mercy of us, um, he goes on to how he brought us to life. Now, what's interesting, we're going to now step into... Wait, I'm going to read my version before you go further. All right. Because I... I'm enjoying the message. Is this the Dewey Decimal version? Mm, this is the Precious Eugene moments. Peterson the, version. The, the massage? Yes, it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. This is the one I like. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. I love that yeah. description. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with incredible love, he embraced us. Mm. So he's taking some liberties with the, with the idea and bringing it into verbiages that are, in my opinion, very uh, picture-esque. Yeah. 
very picturesque. He's using the body. You breathed in this unbelief about yourself and about God. And of course, you were going to disobey as you exhaled because that's what you took in. But then God came and then embraced us and filled us. The picture then goes on in my mind that he filled us with his air and his belief system and his trust. And as we breathe that in, in his embrace, then we can exhale into grace and truth. That's great. So I'm going to actually going to give a little outline of what's coming here just because I think it's important. So he's going to talk about who we were. Basically, even it's not even who we were, it's how we walked and lived. Then he's going to talk about the Jews and the, the law. And then he's going to talk about bringing the two together. And then what do we look like and what has God now made? And so we're going to go through a couple of steps on that. But keep that in mind. Here he goes. So it says. Um, so we've already done the first part. This the is first who part. you were yep. or how you were walking. Right. And so here's the great thing. Right after he says that about, you know, he says it's by grace you were saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And then my favorite verse, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So this is kind of mind boggling. It's like, okay, so you had a problem. We had all this sin stuff going on. So what did God do? He raised us in the heavenlies and brought us to a new place. Uh, That's kind of like the opposite of a lot of how people want to think of it is that, well, then God's really mad at us now. And it's like, no, he had mercy because what he sees, we often think of it, okay, I had bad behaviors. I did naughty stuff. And I'm going to say naughty. Some was really bad. Some was naughty. But God looked at it and he saw the damage that that does even to us and said, I want to bring you out. So his wrath, which if you want to say is in there, is not at us. It's in the damage and destruction of sin. He's angry because the people he created and loved are being destroyed and ruined. And so what he does is he reaches in, pulls them out of the situation and places us into a new location, which is seating at his right hand in the heavenlies and brought in new life. It's kind of the picture of the flood. Yeah, we get pulled out, get in the boat and get out of with get out of there. Mm -hmm. What you're describing is anyway. Okay, yeah. So, it says, verse. let's jump to verse 11. Therefore, jumping. Rem- well, actually, I'm not jumping. I'm just starting. <laughs> Therefore, remember you who were Gentiles by birth, that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done by the body of the hands of the man. Now, remember this, what we're having here is now there's a, so as you remember back to all these churches, there's always a conflict because right, Jesus came as a Jew. Salvation started as what looked like a completion of Jewish 
for lack of better words, and yeah, prophecy and traditions. But then ultimately by Acts chapter 15, they recognize, oh, salvation is solely in Christ. And now you started to have a separation of believing Jews and then Gentiles in the church. And then is the church predominantly Gentile? Are there, do you have to be Jewish to be saved? And do you have to follow the law as a Christian? All those things were very conflictive and problematic. So now he's going to start to kind of bump into that. Nothing that we can relate to in the modern time period with yeah, the deconstruction no. of church. Right. So there's always. I find that fascinating, actually. Everybody loves where conflict. another <laughs> revolution of what does it mean to have a relationship with God? Right. Does it have to be through this paradigm or through this mindset or through this religious system? Right. And so he talks about this. Hmm. So he goes, so. Selah. Pause and calmly think of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, you'll have to push pause if you want to do that because we're pressing on. We're okay, not going to say law too <laughs> long here. So, so he says, remember. Actually, I want to go read that one more time. He goes, you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. He's throwing a lot of the modern words. He's throwing some shade here in that he's comparing the works of men like circumcision that some people believe this is what makes you holy or righteous or special and set Ah, apart and he's saying yeah that's just something you did and that's not really important comparatively so he says remember that at that time you were separate from christ now that's another word that i don't like that the niv kind of probably overemphasizes um because it is actually the Greek word it says you were without Christ which implies more of you were having a lack it's not a distance or you're separated but it's a you you were not you were lacking in Christ you were not operating in Christ if you compare that to the beginning chapter which is we were operating in the flesh according to the ways of the world now we're operating without Christ so that's who you formerly were um, it says, remember at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants and the promise. So this is all based on the Israeli, the Israel kind of covenants without hope and without God in the world. Okay. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. In the message, it says, don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you, Gentiles, were outsiders to God's way, and you had no idea of any of this. You didn't know the first thing about the way God works. You hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel, hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. Now, because of Christ dying that death and shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. Yeah, that's good. Because verse 14, he goes on and says, For he himself is our peace. That's Jesus. And he has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, dividing the wall of hostility by... Okay, so now who's the they and them and the what's? You got Jesus did this. And the two one is who are the two? That's the Jews and the Gentiles. The and the, yeah, the Goyim. 
and we divided the by dividing the wall of hostility and so it's like what was that and i think we kind of don't sometimes see today how significant there was a conflict between the jews and the gentiles back then or even in the church and how strong these fights were this was kind of the big thing that was fought over a lot yeah again you can definitely though see still that separatist separateness mentality in our in our culture today and the dividing places where people don't want to accept or welcome myself included i'm not just saying people this is it's hard it's hard to to uh welcome into a belonging place people who are not like-minded with you right that's a that's a challenge so he said by abolishing in his flesh the law uh oh the law he abolished the law what with its commandments and regulations his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two thus making peace this is let me say it here okay then he started over instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion he created a new kind of human being a fresh start for everybody right so now our lineage so we also say we're either jews gentiles christians whatever and christ just saying you are in christ that is who you are and i know we use the word christian is supposed to mean that and it does but I just want to underscore that. It means our identity is our in Christness. That is who we fundamentally are. And it says, and in this one body, let's start back slightly. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So he's trying to basically say your old identity doesn't matter. I mean, what's and then one of the other books, he also says, you know, you're neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, um, Greek or all these things is basically your identity is Christ. And we're all one in him. I think the goal here is to get to the father. Yeah. That's the goal. He says, through him, we share the same spirit and have equal access mm-hmm. to the father. The goal is to know and be known by God. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. All the systems, all the world system, the religious systems, all the systems do not bring you close to God. As soon as you start trusting the person of Jesus Christ and understanding and following his example and knowing him that will bring you to the father. Yeah, that's great. So I, yeah, there's an interesting picture I see right there where, you know, we talked about perichoresis and that's the eternal interrelationship of the father, the son and the Holy spirit. And it's though, Jesus and the Holy Spirit stepped out and said, let me go reconcile all of these people and then I will bring them back to you so that I can present them to you so that they will be part of this universal, eternal relationship that we will all have with each other. 
and that was the goal of Christ is bringing us back into that relationship with God the Father and for all of them to enjoy so because that's the goal of life mm -hmm. to know and be known by God yeah that's the goal of life to find the 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 true core of us as humans who are made in God's image as in uh, in other words we are meant to to be more than just machines yeah or animals we are meant to have connection uh, we're doing a study right now in our church about the two sides of the brain and what's happening in your brain um, with attachment and love and community and discipleship and all this kind of stuff. And it's fascinating to me in many levels, but one is that we have brains that are unlike other mechanical brains or even animal brains. They're complex and they're complex for a reason because we are, we aren't just our body. We aren't just our think, our thoughts. Our spirit is is made and yearns and longs for meaning beyond our circumstances, meaning beyond our earthly relationships. Although our earthly relationships hugely or can hugely deepen our understanding of purpose and value. Um, but really, it, to know yourself and be able to move through the world, being in a place of this holy, sacred understanding of presence and and purpose and um, uh, things that matter, to move through the world like that is different than just where do I get my next sustenance? How do I manage my life so that I'm taken care of? That's a different space to live in and we have that to me that is knowing God mm -hmm. knowing God is finding those places and we will for eternity I think I think we will eternally be in pursuit of or at least have capacity to have revelation I'm actually not sure if we continue in pursuit of after we pass from this earth to the next because there's something about being an eternal peace that once we're there i don't think we'll continue to be in pursuit of that maybe mm -hmm. but maybe it will just come anyway i'm saying there is this hunger in all of us this desire to go deeper to know more about the purpose of life yeah. and it doesn't we come to different places of settlement with that or contentment, I guess is a better word. We come to different places of contentment that with that in our life. But I don't anticipate ever being like, okay, that's enough. I don't have to, I don't have to know anything else. Yeah. I, now I'm not, you know, like I still got hopefully a few more decades to go. So I don't know if that will be the case, but from a lot of people that I do know that are elderly or whatever, there was this beautiful, um, hunger is not, I don't, that's not the word I want to use, but openness. There's some people that I've known way in late in life that they just have this beautiful openness to, an, to the next new thing, whatever the mm -hmm. next new thing is, even way late in their life, knowing that it's probably not going to be a next new adventure because maybe their bodies aren't up for it as far as physically going or traveling or building or anything like that. But it's a but the adventure is within. Like, how deep am I as a person? How deep does God? How deep is God? How deep is your love? Yeah. How deep is that? Like, how can I keep exploring that 
inside mm-hmm. myself, my own, my own persona. Yeah. I, I think the answer is yes, right. we can do that. And so that is, that is knowing God. And so, you know, God throughout history, the history of the Bible and the history of the world was saying, yes, seek me, mm-hmm. relate yeah. with me. I will reveal these things to you because I am the source of that. I am this very source and foundation and Mm -hmm. being of that. You were created from that desire for, for, uh, intimate known knownness. Seek me for it because you're not going to find it anywhere else. And so that's, then we have all of these ways that God tries to come to humanity and show them and be with them through all the covenants, like he just says, through all the covenants of the Jewish history, through all the ways that he intervenes with people, even if they aren't part of the Jewish community, he is always in pursuit of people. He, but it, but it's not even like, a, like that's just the essence of God. The essence of God is... Um, um, <laughs> I can't find the word, not grasping, but like de- more mm-hmm. sinking, sinking in, sinking in deeper, sinking mm-hmm. further and further and further into this knowing of the essence of purpose and the essence of life. He is the, he's it. He's the source of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, there's not a, the, the point of the history isn't so that you can know the history. The right. point is the history is of, of to the, see God and what he's doing. The nation of Israel yeah. is God to is for God to continue to say, I got, if you trust me, I'm going to show you a good way to do this. Yeah. Can I, can I talk about my Jesus question right now? Or would you rather me table Jesus. that? Jesus, I'm going to talk about it. That's, so since you don't know what I'm talking about. That's probably real far. I think that's a far, but I want to continue in the other thing we so said. So that you don't want me to Okay. Well, if not for the moment. Um, okay. Is we talked a lot on, we actually got into the discussion on detachment because you're talking about being connected to God. You know, we talked, the Jesus says, I'm the vine and you're the branches and so forth. And we were talking, and this actually relates to the book they're reading, which is... <clears throat> The other half of church. The idea is that um, there's healthy connection. Actually, she used the word attachment, and my initial reaction to attachment was negative, but she was saying, no, it's a positive word because there are people who have detachment disorders. She, me. Not she, the author of the book. Yeah, she, me. Yeah. So I know we have such things that are detachment disorders and stuff, and so attachment seemed weird, but I think it, what happened is attachment is a good word because normally it's used in terms of having a healthy relationship which is what jesus said i'm the vine and you're the branches that is a good and right and a healthy attachment and i think a lot of our detachment disorders which people talk about are that people who are not confident or sure or understanding of the relationships they have and so much of their i guess my word for the day is pathologies much of their ways they react or their pathologies are trying to force attachments in ways that are not necessarily healthy or real or valid 
you know, in terms of like trying to cling to people and manipulate people to get them to love them or doing things. This goes back to this whole religion thing, which is if I perform religiously, will God love me more? Will I be more secure in my religion if I just do the right things? You might be more secure in your religion, but you (laughs) probably aren't going to be more secure in your relationship with God. Yes. So, so that was kind of one of the things we're talking about there is where we, if we don't understand the reality, what exactly everything he's putting in here of you have been made new, you're brought into an entirely new family, a new relationship and all these things, then we will tend to go seek to force and manipulate and make happen these attachments. And usually those are not going to be real or healthy attachments to use the attachment word. They're shallow. They'll be shallow. They'll be, they might be real attachments, but they're shallow. They're not connecting you to perhaps. I mean, uh, that's very black and white. And, it, and this, there's so much nuance in on this whole process. But the shallow attachments usually aren't satisfying for very long. Right. Sometimes they're just codependent relationships mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. things like that. And then you find yourself in a mistrust place, in a sinful place, what I call an unbelief place. I call sin unbelief. When we don't believe that we really are right. loved or really are attached to God or really are on his, at the apple of his eye. Right. We really aren't in the gaze of the face of Christ. When we don't believe that, then we look in other places right. for good reason, for good reason. I mean, we, I'm discovering some things, you know, even about my own first 10 days of life that and I'm thinking about, like, I didn't have any idea what, was happening then but I think the you know that mm-hmm. influenced some piece of my life and understanding about attachment so I I just don't there are so many factors and influences on us for disbelief that go beyond choice so one of the things that is that is brought out in this book is that perceptions and situations our first process through the right side of our brain. And that goes, that's happening. What is it? Six times per second or something. It's a, it's the, it, it's where your initial response or your initial reaction goes with basically almost no thought. And then it travels over to the left side of your brain, which happens four sides a second, four times a second. And that's when the choice or the decision making comes in. Okay. So the reason I'm bringing that up is, Anything that we perceive automatically gets some kind of reaction. Yeah. And the belief, you know, that it it's going to <laughs> it's going to happen with or without your decision. Mm-hmm. You know, so if your life is a is a dependency based life, your reactions are going to be, I have to be attacked. Okay, so I'm speaking personally. If I have a dependency based personality where I need other people to make me feel secure, loved, uh, anything, any of the value things, I have a very dependency based personality. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Which most of it I think is not my fault. I think it's just the way things happened to me as a child and beyond. And then those patterns got ingrained and I had no idea. And so then, right. you know, we just, I think okay. So I, so that is my first reaction. My first reaction in anything that I perceive, especially with other people, are is, do I need to be attached to this person? 
because the habit in my brain is I have to know whether or not I can trust this person to be attached to them because I have to pull energy from them in order to exist. Okay, that's that's a pretty big deal. Okay, that's a pretty big sin. And the sin is the disbelief that I am a whole person. I don't believe that I am a whole person. I believe that I need other people to feed me to become a whole person. Now, that's like at way deep level, psyche level. I don't think about that all the time. But that's the habit that my right right brain is in. My right side, my right brain, the part of my right brain that does the reaction is in sin most of the time Hmm. because of that pattern that I have of constantly evaluating a person that I'm interacting with and being in that spectrum of are, am I okay with them? Am I okay with them? Am I disappointing them? Am I saying something wrong? Am I doing something wrong? That's a pattern that I'm trying to overcome and I am actually working on it. And now that I'm aware of it (laughs) and I'm trying to retrain my brain, that's hard. That's hard to do because that pattern was established probably within the first 10 days of my life. Yeah. And then forever, you know, it's gone, hard whatever. to change the so, uh, patterns. Uh, that's that's why I say, like, there are things about how we relate to others that are so deeply ingrained. It's taking a lot of time and energy, and and intention to be able to process this and bring a lot of it into order. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it's not. It's actually not my work. It's God's work. Yeah. Like to get back to the Bible. The Bible. You know, like it is through grace that you are saved, not by works that any man should boast. Okay. My self-awareness and becoming more who I am supposed to be is actually not happening very much because of my intention. I can take a little bit of credit with being a little bit more open and seeing myself uh, through a different lens. But the good news is it's God. It's God as he brings other situations into my life or or establishes new patterns or whatever. God is bringing this health into my life so that my belief system can be, oh yeah, I can trust God. I trust God that he made me as a whole person and I can move through the world and bring my whole personness into relationship instead of me trying to get something from relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's. Phew, a, I didn't know I was going to all that. That's good because there's a similar. I was thinking about. I do work on all sorts of technical things. One of them is cell phone technology. And an interesting thing is have you ever noticed that when you're out in the mountains, your battery goes quicker, dies faster in your phone? I haven't noticed, but I believe you. Because what happens is it doesn't have a good connection and a signal. So it starts boosting its amplifiers and going into modes that consume more power because it wants a connection. And that sucks the battery life. Mm. And in fact, when it has to finally go back back to old analog mode, that really consumes a lot of power because it desperately wants to be connected because that's the point of the phone is to provide connectivity. And when you have a nice, good, strong signal somewhere, then the whole thing can relax and the amplifiers turn down and they consume less power. And it's very happy because it's doing what it wants to do. It has a secure connection and it works really well and it doesn't drain 
the phone. Does it drain the battery? Yeah. And sometimes we get drained because we're trying so hard to have a real connection somewhere. Trying to find the connection. Yeah. We're working hard. And it's draining. Yeah. You know, and that's hard. So. That's some good stuff. That's put that. I feel like I need those kind of rubber meets the road, mm-hmm. and um, examples, real life examples of what's going on when we're going through a study of any kind that's spiritual or godly or yeah. Bible or whatever. Because otherwise, it's just head knowledge. It's just okay. Well, I know what these Greek words mean, and yeah, those other guys are a problem, and it doesn't really impact. And and I'm always on the search for how does this impact me. Yeah. I can't I, I can't just stay in head And my knowledge. brain works the other way. I got to look at the detail and then that's eventually reveals to me. I don't necessarily have to have the story. I have to have the assemblage of the truth and then I like okay, then I can extrapolate. So yeah, we both this is why it's good for us to both be here cuz we can uh, bring our separate parts here. Yep. Parts is parts. Parts is parts. So, he finishes this thing up with um the reconciliation here he says finally consequently and i want you remember the beginning we talked about it says you weren't citizens in israel so citizens is a it's a belonging term but it's a belonging to a a city and a larger um it's it's a actually it's a greek word politei i can never say the endings correctly that's where we get political from or actually citizen but it has to do with being a member of a society. But then here he says, consequently, you're no longer foreign, foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens. So we're going to use that same, is that the same word? Um, yep. So we're now citizens together, but he says with God's people and members of God's household. So now we're brought into a more intimate relationship built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit so he's basically saying you're actually becoming or really you are but you're becoming the dwelling place for God Altogether, So the idea is unity is the structure where we are stand together with God in our midst. And that is what glorifies God. And so often we get tied up with things like, oh, if I behave well, God is glorified. And it's like, yeah, that's true. It's better to behave well than to not. But the true glory of God is to see us together, standing together in love with God in our midst. You know, how good and pleasant it is when we brothers dwell together in unity. That's an, that's an Old Testament verse, I think. Yeah, it's in Psalms. And it's like that's constantly a theme. You know, even the thing of if you have something against your brother, don't come to the altar, but go take care of your brother first. What's God saying? Deal with the brother. Deal with the others. That is how God is glorified, is in interpersonal relationships. And I know that's... The most tiring thing is dealing with dang people. But the heart of God is I love people and I want to see them well, well, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, 
all these way and for us to dwell together in love. That is the heart of the Father. And that's what we hope that we can accomplish in him built on his foundation. Okay. Boom. And that's only halfway through the book. Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah, the, I find I do enjoy the theme of tear down the wall in Ephesians chapter two, mm-hmm. that you're not, it, we're not to, supposed to be comparing ourselves against other ways of experiencing God. Right. We, we are supposed to be knit together mm-hmm. and loving each other and showing God through our own, um, through our own, um, like as we ownership kind of a thing. Like we were talking about the words of last year and then having new words for this year. And I said, and then had this fun little thing happen. So last year was Rehoboth for Dan. And, um, I said, you're not getting rid of Rehoboth for this year. You actually own that word. Now that word, you experienced it a little more intentionally. And so I came across it the other day when I was reading in the Old Testament. I had to run into Dan's office and say, listen to this. This is, you know, where Rehoboth happened in the Old Testament. And Dan had a great look of aha on his face, as did I, of just, oh, we understand what this word means now at a little bit different, deeper level because you spent last year being pretty Mm -hmm. intentional and focused on that. So same kind of thing here. Like at the more I own God, the more I have experience and understanding of God, then I can give that out. I can share that out with my brothers and sisters and fellow humans, regardless of what their nationality or culture or understanding about God is. Because I, we are knit together through Christ. He did it. Mm -hmm. We didn't do anything. He tore down the systems. He tore down the Jewish system and the Gentile system. And he said, I'm making a new, I'm making a new creation here. He squashed the clay of the Jewish and he squashed the, sh- the clay mm-hmm. of the Gentiles and he mixed it all together and he started to form and create this new image, a new building or a new, all these in that, uh, metaphors that he uses in here. Yep. He's making a new thing so that we have a different understanding of what it means to be with God. Yeah, and I love your thing. I'm going to see if I can make it through saying this story, but (laughs) often, in usually we do this comparison stuff. You talked about that. And I think one of the stupidest things we ever say is, I'm further along the road in Christ, or and we use that as a comparative term. Am I more mature, whatever. And the reality is, there isn't a road that you're on that you're further or nearer or whatever it's there are dimensions where you might be doing better and worse than other people and it's so multi-dimensional there's no place where you're ahead of other people you might be doing well in an area you might be doing well in a lot of areas but when we do those comparisons and then that helps us to that keeps us distance because i can't get something from this other person because i'm more mature than them And it's like, well, they may have an area that's very much. And I think back to when we were doing prison stuff. And I know Benji will remember this guy, Bobby. The guy's a drug addict, a prisoner. But we would sing that song, um, you know, it's your breath in our hearts. Our lungs. In our lungs. And he would always do the echo parts. And he just had a joy in his heart for that. And we, it was like, 
I couldn't sing that song I can't even today without hearing his voice doing the echoes. <laughs> and he actually died of drugs at yeah. some point. But it's when, you know what? That was an area where he was strong. Yeah. He had a heart there. And... He loved to sing that song out to, to God in community. Because if he's right. doing the echo part, you can't do that by yourself. You, can't echo. you had to actually be part of a community right. that had the lead part and then the echo. And so he <laughs> definitely had. And I know it's hard sometimes when we get around other that. people to go, well, this guy's an idiot or this guy doesn't know much or this guy's immature. But to just go ahead and say, I'm going to be part of this community and love this person and you know, I may or may not get something from them. That's not the goal is to always get something from somebody. Except you did. You're I did. still moved to tears now. Yeah. Do we think about but that? But to recognize the value that other people have meaning and purpose. And you're not necessarily better than them. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's an important thing. Mm-hmm. So I hope that we get from this is just, it's again, love other people and recognize this the proper attachment he's the vine where the branches and to be secure in that absolutely confident that we cannot be moved from that jesus said i'll never leave you or forsake you and it's like do you believe what he said or not he's not leaving and then you get things like well i can't got nothing can take me away from god's hand but myself i could leave god and it's like no he's never gonna leave you or forsake you there's no manipulating special trick to get you away from the love of god which is in christ jesus neither height nor depth nor things present things to come all those things nothing shall separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus period end of discussion quit trying to find legal ways out of that mm-hmm. and start resting in it mm-hmm. so hey good i think we're done we're done here we're done here drop the mic okay i'll come back to this statement another time then or we'll just talk about it on our own or if you want to know what i was gonna we say can you can later, find we'll me to... and we can have our own discussion whoever you are listener and I at grace.world. You can email us, me, at podcast at grace.world and say, hey, what was that question you were going to ask? The what was that thing you're going to you say? From saying. Actually, there's two. There's one I wrote down and there's <laughs> one other one. I'm not against them. I just think no, was too, it, it was too long of a yeah, can of worms a, to jump into today. I got lots of cans of worms. If you want to open cans of worms with me, you can call me at one eight three three eighty five grace or text as well. And we can chew on worms together guys we hope that you're warm we hope that you are reaching out to the people that support you uh, in your times of need but mostly that you just feel the glow and love and joy of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. in your life we love you and we'll see you next week bye bye